Good morning. What a wonderful way to begin our worship together. And I, I can't remember the title to the hymn, but I remembered the, the, the two phrases there, strong deliverer, strong deliverer. So what's the title? Oh, guide me, O oh, thou great Jehovah. Can I tell you a true story about that song? Sure. When I was in college, I was on a quartet. We traveled and sang at a different church every Sunday, and there were six of us because we had an instrumentalist. And we sang an a cappella version of that, Guide Me, O oh, Thou Great Jehovah. And it got to the point of, Feed me, bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. A lady walked out. We were used to people walking out when we sang. But <laughs> end of the service packing up our gear, the pastor said, come on guys, follow me, we're going to this lady's house for dinner. It was her house. She forgot that we were coming to dinner until we sang, feed me till I want no more. And I told the guys in the quartet, I said, we're singing that every Sunday we sing. Oh, that's great. Well, Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know, emphatically, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Hallelujah. Amen. So, now, welcome to worship. And uh, first uh, announcement is to... Uh, Say happy birthday to Bob Wilmoth. Bob Wilmoth, would you please rise because he is 90 years old today. All right. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and let's see. Next week... Kathy Apotion is going to be preaching, so be in prayer for her as she is in preparation for her wonderful sermon that we're anxious to hear, and we know the Holy Spirit will be moving, you know, throughout our lives and hearts. And then also this coming week, uh, Kathy has a very, very important uh, interview Coming. And a so, date, an important date. So, so I, will, I will let her tell you about that. So you guys know that I've been in the ordination process for quite some time, and this coming week is my interview. So the eco-rep, don't clap yet. You guys need to be praying right now. This uh, is an interview with the eco-ordination team, and after they question me uh, and ask all kinds of things, then they're going to determine whether I'm prepared, ready to move forward for the retreat in November. And if that goes well, then they will deem me ordination ready. And uh, so I've been looking forward to this for quite some time, so I, I really would love your prayers this week. All right. Well, it's good to be back in worship together again. What a week we've had. Praise God that we didn't have the terrible uh, effects of the hurricane that we could have, that they kept saying. There are few communities that are suffering, so be in prayer for them. Um, I'd like to welcome our live streamers. It's good that you can be here with us. And a few shout-outs to Sydney Bracco, Stu Perry, Casey and Michelle Stewart, and Joan Crutchfield. Why don't we wave to everybody in Cyberland? Good to have you with us. And then, um, if you're not receiving the church emails and you would like to receive them, there are these welcome cards in the pew racks. If you fill that out and put your email on there and just uh, write top five, then I will know to add your name to the church email list. If you're a visitor, we have homemade bread for you at the end of the service that our uh, bakers bake to welcome you and say, we're glad that you chose to come and worship with us. We would also love for you to fill out a welcome card. So thank you so much. Um, as far as announcements, there will not be a summer movie Wednesday this Wednesday. 
because TFA incurred a lot of leaks from the storm, and so we're in the process of repairing over there, so we're not going to be using the TFA. And then Andrew Sanderson is away this week, so there will be no adult Bible study after church. However, there's donuts, coffee, and lemonade, so make sure you stop by Miller Hall to have some time of fellowship. So let us now come before the living and loving God. And before we, well, we are in the presence of the living and loving God. There's never a time when we're not. Okay, you're right. Okay, you're right. all right. Well, that might be one of the theological questions you're going to be asked by the Presbyterian <laughs> Committee this week. So, uh, but uh, before you, I guess, go away from us, we wanted to pray oh. for you. You know, we didn't uh, tell you about that back in the green room as we were getting ready, did we? All right, so let's pray together. Lord and God, we thank you for your call upon our lives. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the uh, equipping power of the Holy Spirit and for the presence of Jesus Christ that indwells us each. And so, O oh Lord, guide and direct Kathy this week as she has this opportunity to connect with this presbytery committee uh, that is overseeing her ordination process and progress. And so we just pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak through your Holy Spirit, through Kathy, in all of her responses. Help her to relax in you because you are Lord of her life and you are the one who has called her into this ministry. And so may she know of our love and our prayers for her uh, this week as she prepares for this interview as well as for her message next week. We offer this prayer and ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, and God's people say, Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and Lord, help us in worship this morning. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Check. Yeah, there we go. Good morning, everybody. Please stand as you are able and join me in the call to worship. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thank you, Todd. This morning, it's my dear privilege to introduce my longtime friend of over 20 years, Steve Lively. Uh, I've known him for 20 years. My wife, Debbie, has known him for 40 years, and uh, Sherry's known him since she was a teenager. But uh, he's our special guest worship leader, which means I get to sing harmony on the congregational song. So, Steve, we welcome you. Let's sing Shine, Jesus, Shine. i 
to sing two verses in a row here. Lord, we come into your presence. Lord, I come to your awesome presence from the shadows into your radiance. By the blood I may enter your brightness. Search me, try me, consume all my darkness. What a great worship service. Uh, the uh, staff, uh, Tom and uh, Kathy, you have put together here from the beginning of uh, the call to worship. And uh, you talk about being second of the uh, person of the Trinity being focused upon and being uh, highlighted, delineated, and broken out for us to really take hold of and grab hold of us. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, we uh, continue in uh, Colossians chapter 1, and we're looking at Jesus is supreme, the supremacy of Christ, or the preeminence uh, of Jesus the Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the one who became one of us, uh, I mean, in the worship service, there we've already indicated in our call to worship uh, and read through and uh, uh, proclaimed uh, from Philippians chapter 2 uh, how Jesus was supremed and how the, uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And so in uh, Colossians chapter 1, uh, and we're going to start with verse 14, uh, and then it goes into uh, verses 15 through 23, and starts with a hymn there, uh, as some New Testament scholars have indicated that uh, the first four or five verses there, 15, maybe through 19 or 20, uh, would be considered uh, one of the earliest of Christian hymns. Uh, Christian hymns and songs and poems of that day and time were very much about declaring and confessing uh, the uh, attributes of uh, the Lord Jesus or the attributes of God or the attributes of the Trinity. And so we have here again uh, in those verses what would be considered a hymn. And so if we're going to know God and know all about God and really have access to uh, God's revelation of himself, we must have scripture. And it's interesting how God has again guided uh, authors, writers throughout uh, history to record the events and activities uh, of God through the people of Israel 
and then on into the New Testament uh, through the life of Jesus and the writers that uh, God raised up uh, and uh, contributed to our ability and our knowledge because as we are looking at this early church in the first century, they did not have copies of the New Testament. They had letters from Paul, and Paul wrote this letter uh, to the church at Colossae, which is right near Laodicea in that area of the seven churches of the, the book of Revelation there, and, uh, and about 100 miles east of Ephesians, or Ephesus. And uh, so they were receiving this letter from the Apostle Paul, who had, they, they had never met personally, uh, Paul spent quite a bit of uh, time in Ephesus uh, with uh, Barnabas and then with uh, 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 Epaphras uh, and uh, preaching there as well as communicating and making disciples to uh, that church there at Ephesus. Paul is in Rome. You recall that Paul longed to be in Rome uh, in order to communicate the gospel as well as to have the opportunity to share his faith with uh, the leaders uh, of Rome, uh, and so he was given his wish. And interestingly enough, about the time that Paul arrived in prison there, uh, there was one of these popular emperors of Rome that came into power around that same time. Do any of you know his name? Nero, yes. Uh, and Nero is definitely infamous. Uh, he was a, definitely a, 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 a narcissist, uh, and definitely had this, and, and liked the idea of emperors being worshipped. And so one of the uh, challenges of the church at Colossae, or just even the whole empire of Rome, was what do you do whenever the government maybe has a policy uh, out there that if there is anyone that is not worshipping or showing appropriate worship and or honor to the emperor, you know, they will be uh, arrested and usually then put to death unless they uh, deny their faith and their beliefs. And so we have this, we have the benefit of having the New Testament for us to be able to read about all of these historical events, uh, but the early church relied upon letters like, for example, from Paul, uh, or disciples that came out of Jerusalem, or disciples that Paul had made in his ministry and outreach, as they would begin to then reach out and start churches of their own. It reminds me of a story when uh, this what I was, I was thinking about this, uh, and I, this is one of those stories of, of uh, being a young parent and having young kids, and uh, our daughter Christy is. Uh, our oldest child, and Christy, from the very earliest years, uh, what an enthusiastic follower of Jesus she was. She was a little missionary, and uh, she was also very bold and outspoken. Uh, and if you didn't necessarily agree with her or you questioned her, uh, she would kind of give you that look, you know, that you better get uh, things uh, straightened out between you and the Lord. And I just remember on uh, one occasion there, we were living in Indianapolis, and, and I uh, turned uh, to uh, our son, Ben. He probably would have been four at the time, and we were about to have supper, and I said, Ben, would, would you be willing to offer a prayer to God and give him thanks for the food? And he looked at me, and he said, uh, well, I really don't know much about God. And... Uh, and I wasn't sure how to respond, but Christy did. <laughs> I just remember in her uh, uh, either six and a half to seven-year-old voice, she leans over the table and she looks at her younger brother and she says, you'd know about God if you read your Bible. <laughs> well, <laughs> when we stop and we think of, gee whiz, and, uh, that statement of, and how many of us would say, do, do we know uh, as much about God as we would really like to? Uh, probably not. There's a lot of questions I have for God and uh, a lot of questions and thoughts and things I don't know how God functions or works or the, the whys and the wherefores. 
but I do know that God loves you and me, for the B-I-B-L-E tells me so. Uh, you all remember that song, the B-I-B-L-E? That's the book for me. Uh, and so as we come to this particular passage, we're going to be uh, not only reading about uh, who God is, but who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And so starting with verse 14 in first, uh, Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse, uh, well, let's start with verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Verse 19, listen carefully. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you and I were alienated from God and were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. But now... He has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death to present us holy in his sight, that is, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. Well, we begin, first of all, with who is, I'm answering this question uh, for me as well as for you, and I, I always say, uh, like to, to remind uh, people of what uh, Pastor Henry Date, who was uh, my senior pastor and I was uh, his assistant and associate uh, in Indianapolis. And Henry would very often you know, say to uh, the congregation, he would say, it may feel like that I'm preaching at you or to you. He said, but I want you to remember that as you may feel uh, because he, he was always very careful that he never used his finger, you know, and, and, but uh, he, would, uh, he would say, just want you to know that if you feel like I'm pointing my finger at you, guess how many fingers are pointing back at me? And he would say, three. So, uh, and he would acknowledge that, uh, and uh, humbly uh, state, he said, you know what, that's because I need this three times more than you do. Uh, and so uh, as we look at this particular passage, I need this three times more than you do. But as we look at this particular passage, it starts with God the forgiver, God the reconciler. And so for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So in this, notice words like, he rescued us. All right, well, we just came through uh, and watched, observed uh, the need of uh, Maui, the residents of Maui and the fire that was 
uh, raging over there and decimated uh, that location. Wow, they needed to be rescued. And we need rescuing from the dominion, that is the reign and rule of darkness that is all throughout our earth, perhaps in our lives, perhaps in our community, perhaps in our country. There are dark times, aren't there? And so God is our rescuer, our liberator. He is the one who comes to the rescue to remove us from darkness, and he brings to us, he is our forgiver. And so as the next verse goes on, for uh, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And these words, redemption, uh, is the word that is used that uh, whenever someone would pay for a slave to be freed, it was a redeeming. That word, this word for redemption is the word that was used. The slave would be redeemed, freed, uh, liberated. And then the forgiveness of sin. You know, this word forgiveness uh, is a word that means literally to send away. And you remember in the Old Testament, it talks about uh, whenever there would be the, uh, the Day of Atonement, uh, the, the priests would find a scapegoat, is what the goat was referred to. Uh, and the, uh, the blood would be placed on that goat, and that goat would be sent out of the city and driven you know, as far away from the walls of Jerusalem as would be possible. You know, because that goat would be the scapegoat and would be carrying uh, the sins of the people away as illustration of how God sends our sin away from himself. Remember in Psalm 103, it says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He has sent them as far as the east is from the west. An infinite distance. And so in this forgiveness as well, uh, there is uh, that the, the work, the blood of Jesus Christ that comes and as we see later on in this particular passage, uh, it says that through the physical body of Christ's death, uh, we are made holy in his sight. We are then presented and made without blemish. We are freed from that sin. The darkness that coats and covers us has been removed. Uh, and we are free from accusation. So it, that word justified, uh, sometimes uh, a way of remembering it, it's translated uh, in our language as just as if I never sinned. So what does it mean to be in Christ? What, what does it mean to be rescued and redeemed by the work of God, our great forgiver and reconciler uh, through Jesus Christ? It means to be looked at as someone who is without blemish. And we are as white as snow, though our sins be as scarlet, they have, we are now become as white as snow. Well, there's a story that I came across uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it concerned uh, Stan Mooneyham. How many of you know Stan Mooneyham or have heard of him? All right, well, Stan Mooneyham was the president of World Vision uh, back from uh, 1969 to uh, uh, 1982. And so Stan Mooneyham, then after he retired from World Vision, he moved out here to Palm Desert and he was a part of uh, this congregation, this church, and was an assistant to the pastor at the time. And so Stan Mooneyham, uh, when he was with World Vision, used to travel across the world looking for opportunities for which World Vision could become involved and help to assist uh, whether it be in uh, acts of uh, justice, uh, bringing food and clothing uh, and medications uh, to areas that needed assistance and help. 
Well, one day when he was in East Africa, uh, he was walking along a trail uh, with some friends, and he became aware of a very delightful smell and odor that filled the air. Well, he began to look up into the trees and look around at the bushes in an effort to discover where is that wonderful odor coming from? Well, his friends then directed his attention to the ground. And there, as he was walking along, each time they would take a step, there were these blue flowers underneath them, and they would be stepping on those blue flowers and crushing them. And that crushed blue flower then would emit a perfume that was just marvelous and got his attention. And they went on and they explained to Stan, we call these forgiveness flowers. And I read that little story and it just reminded me uh, of where it says in Isaiah chapter 53 that he was crushed for our iniquities. And that particular passage in Isaiah says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So the fragrance of Jesus Christ is a wonderful, wonderful fragrance and odor. He was crushed, and in his being crushed for us. In fact, I love how uh, the book of Hebrews talks about it in chapter 12. It says, for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him, sort of counter to what we would anticipate. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the pain and the shame of the cross so that we might be made free, so that we might be seen as without blemish. Thanks be to God. Well, as we go on here in our passage as well, uh, we see that in these verses of 13 and 14 is that uh, there is a kingdom to which we are a part and that Jesus is as well. Uh, and so it is that uh, he brought us into the kingdom of the Son. And so what the Greek, when you look at the Greek uh, uh, words here, uh, it's really fascinating because it's talking about not only being rescued, but it really is the language that's used of, a, of an invading army. And we recall that uh, Israel, whenever uh, there was an invading army that would come in and conquer them, one of the first things that they would begin to do is that they would remove the residents from their homeland and send them uh, to Assyria, to Babylon, uh, and, uh, and in a sense repopulate uh, that uh, uh, geographical region which was their home. Uh, and so what is being talked about here is that we're under the dominion, we're under the rule of this darkness, of this power. Uh, but uh, because of the work of God through Jesus Christ, we have now been, in a sense, this rescuing army, and this army was a liberation army, bringing us freedom, bringing us great joy bringing us a new relationship with God and the capability of new relationships with one another within the world. Uh, as you so beautifully sang in that last song, you know, the new heaven and the new earth, uh, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, you know, and then all of the eliminations, there would be no more death, no more dying, no more crying, no more pain. Uh, behold, the one on the throne who is Jesus the Christ is saying, behold, I make all things brand new. Amen. And so uh, what's being made brand new for us is in our redemption. We are being taken out of that dominion uh, of darkness and brought into a land uh, where there is no more death, no more dying, where Christ indeed is King of kings and Lord of lords. So when you came to church this morning, did you think about the fact that you are ch children of the living God? and that you are childs, uh, children of the king. Uh, you are not only children of the king, that is God the Father, 
but you are children, uh, you are heirs, sisters and brothers of King Jesus. Where is Jesus today? Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, of God the Father on high. And, there, and from there he rules and he reigns uh, over our lives, over our world. And so we are uh, members of the kingdom. We are children of the king. We are sisters and brothers to the Lord Jesus who is king. Now, a couple of passages that underscore these great attributes and statements that are made about Jesus' supremacy is the, uh, I want you to take note of Hebrews chapter 1, the opening verses there. And I also want you to take uh, note of the Philippians chapter 2, and then also John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we have, in the beginning was the word. And this gets to the uh, point here in Colossians verses 15 through 18. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So where does that take us immediately then? It takes me to thinking that, oh, well, that means whoever the word is obviously was back there in Genesis 1 with God and involved in creation. And in him, it says in verse 4 of John chapter 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. Ah, the word was not only there from the beginning, not only involved in creation, but then he became flesh to live and to, in a sense, pitch his tent alongside of yours and mine. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, just so you know, I'm paying closer attention to the clock than I did a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so... The thing that I want you to take note of, there are, I've gi I'm giving you eight uh, descriptions here of Jesus that indicate his supremacy as well as his divinity. And believe me, around uh, our world, many don't believe that Jesus was divine, that he was fully God. In fact, some refer to Jesus as a great man and a great teacher. Continuously is put right up there with the best of the best. In other words, I, you know, I was thinking about the goat, uh, the goat scape, you know, the scapegoat. And, uh, and in today's world, the word goat has taken on a whole new meaning. How many of you remember when, if you were the gate of a particular, or a goat uh, in a particular sport, it meant that you had blundered in such a fashion and you lost it all as a result of the mistake that you made. Well, today, goat means greatest of all time, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I'm still having difficulty getting used to that or accustomed to it. But Jesus is the greatest of all time. And so along with his being uh, the forgiver, the reconciler, Number one, our text says he is the image of God. It goes on and it says he is the firstborn over creation. Now notice the language there is very important. Firstborn means he has supremacy. He is the, the leader. Uh, he is the ruler over. So he is the firstborn. It doesn't say firstborn of 
creation. He says the firstborn over creation. He is the creator of the universe, would be point three that is emphasized here. He is the head of the church. And as Christ is the head, we are the body. He is the firstborn from the dead. Indeed, he is the first one who was indeed reckon, uh, re resurrected from the dead and now lives in bodily form in heaven, in his resurrected body, which you and I will receive at that time that we go to join him in our bodily resurrection. And then sixthly, he is the fullness of God. The fullness of God lives and dwells in him. And he is the reconciler, again, as it indicates there in the remaining verses of uh, 22 through uh, 25, or excuse me, 23, uh, that he is the uh, reconciler of all things. And if we continue in our faith, established and firmed, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, that is, we continue by faith to look to God in dependence upon him for all that he provides for us and for all that we need. Well, there's a great quote from C.S. Lewis when it comes to this whole question of, was Jesus really divine? Was Jesus really who he said he was? Do you remember how Jesus described himself seven times in the Gospel of John? The great I am statements, I am the bread of life, I am the door. Uh, he said, I am the light of the world. Wow, that's a head scratcher. Excuse me. <laughs> It'll make you scream. Uh, and he, he goes on, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 14, you know, John 15, he says that uh, I am the true vine. Uh, and then in John 11, at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, he says that I am the resurrection and the life. Well, C.S. Lewis wrote this statement in answer to this in his book, uh, Mere Christianity. He says, I want you to know that I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, they will say, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Lewis goes on, he says, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice, Lewis says to us. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human moral teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Remember Jesus asked the question of his disciples, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? According to this passage this morning, he is God the Son. He is indeed our reconciler, our creator, our redeemer. Amen.